this week's episode of Not d d It is now 2024 and this is our first uh, official episode back of Not d d Thanks for joining us and a big hello and welcome to Ian Stewart-Sharp who is joining us today. Ian, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you. Delighted to be here and delighted to be kicking off 2024 in what approximates style. Exactly. Uh, so as I mentioned before, we are recording, if you're looking in the chat, if you're watching live, uh, we are recording the interview live. So if you have any questions or any thoughts, feelings or opinions uh, about the show or any questions for Ian, pop them in the chat and we can answer them live for you. Uh, and as mentioned, we will be talking about when the wolf comes uh, this week, which I'm very excited to learn uh, more about. The game is powered by uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord. Uh, obviously, last year we had uh, Robert on to talk about Shadow of the Weird Wizard. Um, so that could be a little bit of context for you there. Uh, and Ian's also had an interview uh, with us on EM World last year where we had a written article about when the wolf comes. So if you prefer reading instead of listening or watching there's many ways you can learn about this game um but before we jump in and talk about the egg game ian i'm very uh, nosy uh, and so i'm going to talk about you a little bit if that's okay uh, so the that. question i always ask uh, guests that come on is um what's your first uh, memory of playing tabletop rpgs like what's your yeah what's your history with gaming so um mm -hmm. a long time ago so you can you can tell by my accent perhaps that I'm from the, the same sceptered isle as yourself. I just over mm -hmm. in British Columbia right now making okay. the recording difference uh, mm -hmm. in terms of time uh, a bit more interesting. But uh, yeah, so I grew up in the UK, grew up in uh, Norfolk, which for international listeners is the is the little bump that's closest to Scandinavia, which is probably why it got invaded by vikings uh, quite so often was originally part of the the dane law which was the part of the uk that mm -hmm. was occupied my first um brush with rpgs is kind of related to to the scene that was emerging in the 80s in the uk so there uh -huh. was a lot of stuff with white dwarf there was a lot of stuff with games workshop those mm -hmm. early uh, warhammer titles i used to you know, mm -hmm. cut out little pieces of cardboard and move them round uh, uh, for wargaming. I used yep. to then buy Space Marines for 40k gaming. But specifically with RPGs, I had the 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 introduction was that that box set in the UK that was the red box of D&D, &D, basic D&D. And mm -hmm. it had in it a, a kind of adventure, a pre-built adventure where a, a, a group of people wandered in. These typical wander in with... Uh, exploring the mine and there were kobolds and rats and carrion crawlers because mm -hmm. that's every every kind of uh, starting adventure. I ran that uh, as DM for oh, right. my, for my um, well, they were kind of all 12 and 13, whatever year that was mm -hmm. in high school. I ran that for a kind of D&D &D gaming group of which 30, 35 people attended. So oh, wow. I didn't know enough to take that core adventure of four kobolds in a carrying crawler and expand mm -hmm. it. Um, so I just let all 35 people wander in, completely massacre the kobolds in, in you know, nanoseconds. Um, and so the whole thing was a bit of a bust. But that was, that was, that was my still stuck in my memory of just quite how appalled and bored all of the people that I invited to that D&D &D club were <laughs> how, how inept my uh, my early DMing was, but uh, yeah, well, that was a that was a good uh, thirty five years or so ago. Amazing. So, do you like to think you've progressed a little bit with your your GM style since then? <laughs> just a tad, just a tad. <laughs> Although, I mean, some of the I was I was talking with the gaming group that I play with um, this weekend, and they were mm -hmm. some of them are younger, and they said, you know what. what when you first started playing, were you as you know, kind of incompetent as we are? Because you know they tend to mm -hmm. do, like most gaming groups, you know they get uh, into all kinds of scrapes and situations that uh, of course. You know, they, they yeah. have to find their way out of with mm -hmm. um, ingenious ruses, plots, stratagems, and ploys. But I, I said to them, you know, when I was growing up, I remember 
full well that my gaming group did all kinds of incompetent things as well. There's a, a good friend of mine, Simon Adcock, who now lives in Australia. Um, and I have very vivid memories of him fireballing a whole town of villagers. Uh, right. To, oh, a whole kind of parade of villagers, a whole kind of uh, village fate. Um because he was convinced they were all werewolves and he needed to get in a kind of first strike. So he's right. kind of uh, you know, the, the, the George Bush school of uh, role-playing where you just get in that first strike with your fireball. Get in there, do the war crimes against civilians. Exactly. And so <laughs> those, those, were the, those were my formative years and I think it's only gone downhill since. Only gone downhill since. Okay, well, I mean, let's dig into it a little bit, how it's gone downhill. So we're here to talk about when the the wolf comes. Um, so to, to give a little bit of context uh, to, uh, it says a Viking verse role-playing game. Could you give us a bit of context of what the Viking verse is? Sure, I'd be delighted to. So the Viking verse is a series of alternate history novels and comics where I tell the story of a, of a parallel timeline as if the world uh, never Christianized, as if mm -hmm. the Vikings won all the battles that they were ever engaged in. And so we, the, the world unfurls in a very different way instead of mm -hmm. there being a kind of mother church and mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the kind of rule of Catholicism and the, the English language becoming prevalent everywhere as the as the great British Empire spans across the globe, spreading that kind of uh, church and state outlook. What what I do in the Viking verse is imagine a pagan present um, mm -hmm. whereby Norse is the main mm -hmm. language, where pagan traditions and beliefs uh, perpetuate all the way through to the present day, and where the you know, the tagline is that the Vikings rule the seas and the stars mm -hmm. because you know the present that we we live in you know, we've sent men to uh, the moon and in this uh, retelling of mythology uh, the nine homeworlds of Norse mythology the Nuaheimar they exist as exoplanets um, mm -hmm. and the 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 Norse of the Viking verse are able to step between those worlds um, and kind of so retell reshape all of that Norse mythology that we know from people like uh, Neil Gaiman and dare I say it the the Marvel movies and recast mm -hmm. it in uh, a, a setting that people can play through. So the shorthand for it really is as per the expansion I've. Uh, recently released it's uh, mm -hmm. it's all about space vikings nice love that that's great that's a great succinct way to say it space vikings but the viking verse is a it's a really big and expanded like setting like there's lots of there's lots of comics there's lots of books it's a, it's a big universe to kind of explore when did you get started with that how did how did that come about being a a, a, th a big thing that you do so it came about during my own personal ragnarok um, okay. So Ragnarok, for people who don't know, is the is the is the twilight of the gods, the doom of Norse mythology. It is where uh, Odin is swallowed by the the Fenrir wolf, where Thor uh, staggers to his death because of having been poisoned by Jormungandr, uh, the the world serpent, and where uh, the the world of Midgard comes to a mm -hmm. fiery end on the the sword of Surt. Um, so, you know, I liked, I've always liked that idea. There's something deeply poetic about the way the Vikings and the Norse faced their fate. Um, the reason why the RPG incidentally is called When the Wolf Comes is there's a, mm -hmm. a, a phrase in the sagas, which basically says, uh, you know, Odin says to his interlocutor, he says, uh, they, the the Einharjar, the people he brings to Valhalla, the fallen warriors that he's summoning for this last titanic fight with uh, the wolf and the Jotnar, the giants of Norse mythology. He says, even with all the people that he's brought to him, even though all of those fallen warriors throughout history, they will seem too few when the wolf comes. And that's the title, right? When the wolf comes is, you know, the, all of these fallen heroes, these mythical mm -hmm warriors will seem too few when they face that final battle. So mm -hmm. the question was about my um, 
you know, when I started all of this, how it all came about. It started because of my own personal Ragnarok. I wasn't mm-hmm. quite facing down a wolf, but we did have Brexit. I wasn't, you know, despite the fact that I'm over in Canada, I like to call it Brexile, um, where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here because it's difficult to uh, to return with the economy as it is. Donald Trump had just been elected. I had a company of that I ran because I work in, in tech. Um, I had a company of my own go under and so everything was going wrong and mm. and i thought what if what if you know marvel's now coined that with their you know their, their what if multiverse show but at the time i thought mm-hmm. you know, what if we could just have a do-over what if you could start again what if you could mm-hmm. just unpick the bits that went wrong and and rewrite history and then mm-hmm. from that i thought well you know Odin would be pretty pissed off knowing what had happened to him, you know, being played by Anthony Hopkins or <laughs> Ian McShane, um, you know, and 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 because this was a god that that dominated European belief systems for thousands of years at least, um, and now trivialized the shadow of it, of himself. I thought, well, you know, what would what would he do for the chance to unpick his own Ragnarok, his own inevitable demise? And so that's where the Viking verse comes about. It's Odin mm. says, okay, well, I'm not particularly happy with just going quietly into the night, um, into the wolf's moor. I'm going to change history. I'm going to rewrite things. I'm going to defy the norms. The norms are the, the three maidens who twine uh, fate and uh, decree what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to defy them. I'm going to rewrite history. I'm going to, instead of letting the the Vikings give up the Dane law and lose to mm-hmm. Alfred the Great in our own history and uh, surrender at the siege of Paris and give it away for silver or uh, stop the the fight for Miklagard or Constantinople as we know it. You know all of these it, all of these tipping points, these turning points in our own history that could have gone either way, he tips them towards the Vikings. He mm-hmm. tips them so that they uh, prevail in all of those scenarios. And so Alfred the Great uh, doesn't prevail over the Vikings. The Norman conquest never happens because uh, you know, the, the, there is a strong, united um, kingdom of, uh, of Danish. And the Normans themselves were anyway, you know, descendants of Rollo. They were all a few generations away from being Vikings. So you go back far enough and you mm-hmm. can rethread all of the history and create a very plausible Norse alternative history. And that's what the books, that's what the comics, and that's ultimately what the RPG does, mm-hmm. is tells the story so that characters can play as characters inspired by Norse mythology in mm-hmm. a as authentic a Norse setting as possible, yeah. but not just running around in the Dark Ages or the Viking Age, but brought yeah. up to this mod- modern standard where history mm-hmm. has unfurled very differently. And instead of typing on a on a Latin keyboard with your QWERTYs, you're typing in the Futhark with runes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, so that's the, the, you. And you can imagine how that pervades every uh, aspect of life from. You, know, yeah. you, don't, you don't wander down to St. Swithin's or St. Bartholomew's to worship on Christmas Day. You go down to uh, the the local temple to worship mm-hmm. the winter nights and for Yom, etc., etc. And we can unpick that as 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 much as you like. But that's the broad strokes that the books and the comics tell that mm-hmm. story of a civilization. Yes. Love that. So that so obviously with the books and the comics, you have this amazing setting. And with any good uh, story, I think it lends itself to role-playing games because people go, I want to make a character and walk around in that world. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm assuming because you have a, you know, a history with playing role-playing games yourself. So it, was that just a natural idea? You're like, I have this amazing setting. Let's make other people you know, let other people walk around in it. How did that happen? Yeah, it, it was, and certainly the book started, and then um, we we did a few kickstarters. We did the comics, and then mm-hmm. the, we also we also did uh, this book, which your um, listeners won't be able to see, but it's called uh, Old Norse for Modern Time, mm-hmm. which has got phrases in it like "These are not the droids you're looking for," or. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the, the, I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow from the knee to the knee. That's from Classic. Skyrim, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I just translated all of those into Old Norse because it's funny, right? Yeah. You, just, 
no one's actually going to use it. I mean, the tagline for the book is, you know, never be lost for words again with this book of mm -hmm. lost words. Um, but we, in that, I started to put the phrases for like, roll a dice 20, roll for initiative, make a strength saving throw. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you you may call me dungeon master, but just translated all of those to Old Norse. And okay. that was the real tipping point into um, when the wolf comes. Because I was playing a lot of D&D &D at that point through the mm -hmm. pandemic. We ran, I was running lots of gaming groups. Um, sure. And, and we thought that was funny, these memorable quotes, right? You know, like, uh, mm -hmm. do I look to be in a gaming mood? You know, which is yeah. Right. So you translate all of that into Old Norse. And so people started to throw this around the table. And from there, I thought, mm -hmm. okay, well, I've got all of these people playing elves and dwarves mm -hmm. around my table. But that's so much of D&D &D and so much of mythology mm -hmm. and the, the stuff that we do in RPGs is based on Norse mythology, is ripped mm -hmm. off of Norse mythology. Um, your uh, listeners and viewers, and you, you might know, you know, um, Tolkien, uh, Tolkien, um, he he created his own masterful universe and he was doing mm -hmm. so to create an old English mythology. But in doing mm -hmm. so, he stole from its forebears, the old Norse stuff. So, mm -hmm. so Gandalf and all of the dwarves, you know, throwing Oaken Shield, they're, they're all names that are literally cribbed from the old Norse sources. Mm -hmm. Same, you know, and, and he, was a, he was a fantastic linguist as well. And so as he's creating his elves and his dwarves, he mm -hmm. stole from the Old Norse the Alpha and the Diverga. And so we've got in our RPG lexicon, we've got these things, you know, pointy-eared elves and, um, and short, stumpy dwarves with temperament problems. Mm -hmm. um, and they've come from this Norse tradition. But the, the, what I wanted to do as I got into it, because you know, the Viking verse was mm -hmm. all about being authentic and trying to use Old Norse where I could and trying to yeah. not have horned helmets and you know, trying to mm -hmm. retell things plausibly. But you know, elves weren't pointy-eared mm -hmm. uh, forest women. They were demons of death. Um, the Dvergar and the Alpha uh, are always mixed up and it's very difficult to, to tell them apart. The, the sources mm -hmm. uh, are very scant on, on detail. But uh, I've, you know, there's there's... There's things that you can tease out and differentiate. Dark elves, the Doc Alpha, that were referred to by Snorri Sturluson, who was, uh, who was our go-to source for a lot of Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. He lived several hundred years after all of these stories were defunct, several hundred years after the Norse had Christianized. And so okay. he's looking at it through this lens all the time of okay. Christianity. So light mm -hmm. elves and dark elves were probably influenced, if not, um, entirely swayed by Christian views. So strip all of that yeah. away because Christianity doesn't exist. Go back to the 8th century, the 9th mm -hmm. century source, use those. What are Alpha? What are Dvergar? What are Jotnar? Mm -hmm. um, the giants of Norse myth that, that Thor is always fighting. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to strip it all back to mm -hmm. that. Strip it all back so that we have as, as much kind of rootedness as 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 we can using the linguistics using the history using yeah. the runes and then fling it back into the future mm -hmm. so elves aren't pointy ears they are still demons of death that are resurrected in the hour of need of Yggdrasil. Mm -hmm. Yggdrasil, the world's tree brings these spirits to life uh brings them back in uh and you know diverga are uh automatons still born of of oil and soil and uh and the bones of worlds but they're uh they're kind of truculent slightly pissed off uh versions of <laughs> marvin the android right there's there's a and so <laughs> right so and uh, but because that's that's true to their roots and that's mm. where i've tried to go to with all of the paths all of the mm -hmm. origins um all of the sagas that we tell, you know, as, as adventures, I've tried to make them as plausibly Norse with that sci-fi spin as possible. Yeah. Because I was bored with playing pointy-eared, do-gooding elves with bows. That's that's fair. Is that well? That kind of leans into my next question. I think it answers it a little bit already. Well, I think because you had this amazing setting, and so you're like, great, let's make an RPG. The most popular. Uh, tabletop RPG is Dungeons and Dragons, as we know. Uh, but you decided to use not 
D and D to as a system to kind of power uh, this game. Uh, you chose uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord. Why, what made you think that system was the correct fit for this style of storytelling? Oh well, what Rob Schwab has done with Shadow of the Demon Lord and the rules that he's put together is just so eloquent and so mm-hmm. elegant. It just it just having played an awful lot of D&D and a lot of Warhammer fantasy role play and you know experimented with other stuff like paranoia um i don't know you look at what rob did as how he put together things the sheer storytelling impetus of the way that the paths go together and mm-hmm. how you can build and grow a character and not be just confined to it just oh, it used to bug me playing D&D when you you were a paladin or you were a bard or and you were a cleric and you were stuck there and that's what you did. Or you could multi-class as long as you had the right kind of dexterity or strength. And mm-hmm. it became so cumbersome um, and unwieldy. D&D began to feel like a straitjacket. And it then mm-hmm. began to feel as more and more supplements piled on and more and more origins were available and suddenly you could become a, you know, a Leonin or a Triton or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was this... It was, whoa, everything but the kitchen sink is being thrown in here. This is so generic as a, as to have lost touch with its rootedness in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so I think what Rob's rules do, his mechanics do, is give anyone uh, a really easy on-ramp to play. And I think that then they, as, a, as a framework, they give creators like me a, a really you know simple way to pick up a rule set and apply this new skin this new veneer this new uh, approach and it's not so my stuff isn't exactly the same as shadow of the demon or there's you know there are different rules there's additional rules but as a framework as a framework and a bedrock it's just leagues uh, mm-hmm. leagues above anything else dnd very middle of the road and you know i gave up Phil Collins and Genesis a lot. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, so okay, so uh, Shadow of the Demon Lords really, like you're saying, leans into the kind of characters that you're having because these characters, the origins you were kind of talking a bit about, it's not your classic kind of fantasy because it's looking at it from a completely different uh, lens. Um, one of the things I really want to talk about as well as magic and kind of technology uh, in the game uh, because something really interesting you've done here because obviously North mythology we always think of in historical old kind of magic sort of sense when we kind of picture it Um, but because you've said it in an alternate timeline where it's futuristic and there's you know things happening there's a really nice blend and I think you you wrote somewhere that um, magic spirits and technology are virtually indistinguishable Uh, could you talk a little bit about that and and how that works in the game yeah so um one of the things with the Norse and pagan beliefs in general, and it applies to a lot of uh, kind of animist cultures, um, is that they have a lot of ancestor worship. They believe in land spirits. They believe that everything has a consciousness. Right. So mm-hmm. as is, I think it would be it was important given that you know kind of blood drenched rituals and um, arcane curses and and the, the the Norse terms for magic, like uh, spacecraft and Seder and Gand and Galda, again, in the same ways that Tolkien gave themselves and dwarves, these mm. are the words that gave us uh, the the magical lexics that we use. I know people talk about fireballs and lightning bolts and illusion spells now, but the 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 basis of um, the witchcraft that that underpinned all of that goes back to those shamanistic Norse traditions that were very much part of the English tradition as well, right? We mm-hmm. we we had things in the UK like uh, hedge riders. Um, that was they, they were the hag tests, and that's where hag comes from. Words like okay. hag, and and again, you can trace all of these these things mm-hmm. etymologically, and it's and that's the fascinating journey in itself. Mm-hmm. Wizard uh, is another old Norse word. It just means Wisehard, in the same way as that we watch the movie okay. every Christmas, Die Hard. Right? Mm-hmm. This was just Wisehard. You were the, you were the, you were the most wise guy. You were Wisehard. Mm-hmm. That became Wizard. Um, mm-hmm. And 
And so these these notions of the cunning folk, of the wise, of the of the learned, of people with knowledge, that mm. was the basis of uh, old um, you know, witchcraft or druidcraft or whatever you like to call it. But it was the basis of uh, the um, magical tradition of the north, uh, mm. of the north and of the, of the Norse. Um, and so I tried to keep that and rethread it. So. Um, you know, one of the things I do is to uh, is to make it akin to science and knowledge. Because if everything is conscious, and again, this might sound a bit new age to some listeners, but a lot of people do believe that you know mm-hmm. trees trees are sentient, or that you can yeah. commune with spirits, or that they have a spirit animal. All of those ideas come from the Norse. The notion of the spirit mm-hmm. animal. You have a you had something called a filga, um, and if you've read um, you know Philip. Uh, Pullman's stuff and the the um, the subtle knife and uh, yeah. those books um, they have you know fetches or familiars mm-hmm. and it all comes from this Norse concept of this having this animal filga spirit that mm-hmm. that represented you through life so the notion that these spirits suffuse you and around you and that you are supported by your ancestors and that you uh, your very luck your hamingia is the embodiment of your lineage and Mm -hmm. your integrity i wanted to put all of that in there and so the magical system is is the things that you know we we commonly associate with the norse is runes it is uh you know the the vulva uh, with her staff the wandwed um Mm -hmm. uh, who was you know one of the the great um seers or seeresses of of norse culture all of that permeates through but it's all given that norse uh uh spin and that futuristic spin as well so people mm-hmm. are weaving magic um or dealing with the you know the, the colors of chaos or whatever as you see in other systems again yeah. we try to tie it directly to this idea of uh communicating with the spirits you do so sometimes through old techniques, ancient techniques, and you do so um, sometimes with uh, with technology. And if I can find it quickly, I'll just skip to one of the phrases that I use to kind of most. Uh, yeah, here it is. So mm-hmm. one of the things is is I like to translate or retro um, Norse names, English names into their old Norse. So okay. William Shakespeare, for example, becomes Wilhelm uh, Schakagir, right? That's what mm-hmm. his name would be if he was Norse. Um, the uh, Charles Darwin would be Karl Dirvan. Old Norse and English mm-hmm. are so close, you can recognize a lot of the transitions. Yeah. And so Arthur C. Clarke in Old Norse becomes Arthur C. Clarke. That's mm-hmm. just what his name would be if you turned it into Old Norse. And so one of the jokes I make is that the third law of Arnthor C. Clacker is that any sufficiently advanced Galda is indistinguishable from technology. Just turning nice, that yeah. old phrase round mm-hmm. because that's, that's, that's really the ethos here is that mm-hmm. technology and magic and knowledge, all kind of the same thing. It's how you present yeah. it. Magicians are often yeah. about the presentation uh and so that's i've tried to make it again authentic um mm-hmm. i use old norse names throughout so that it kind of mm-hmm. the book acts as a language course as well um, oh, right, okay. of sorts um and yeah magic is important but technology is important as well okay great um and people that are used to playing or have played shadow of the demon lord before and know the system what sort of different kind of characters and origins are they going to be playing in when the wolf comes so we start off with you know the 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 common or garden man folk right because every every that's the kind of starting point the the baseline for everything and then mm-hmm. there are the adaic races the adaic races are drawn from the eddas the, the classic mm-hmm. sagas that we uh, anyone who's touched norse mythology will will know um and they are the 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 alpha the divergar the Jotnar, so the in mm-hmm. today's vernacular the the elves the dwarves the giants but then i've always liked this notion of the half races because right? mm-hmm. you've always got these half elves, but what yeah. is a half elf when it's bred not with a man, but you know, an elf dwarf hybrid, for example? Mm-hmm. 
um, and and looking at the looking at those main four groupings and how they interplay gave me mm. a kind of Venn diagram of how I could um, create other races from Norse mythology. So you have mm -hmm. the the sons of Avaldi, um, you have the Jan Vidya, the Jan Vidya, the Iron Woodites, the children of the Ironwood, and they're effectively uh, sentient animals brought to life by technology. The sons okay. of Avaldi are in mythology are the people who who create uh, Odin spear Gungnir, who give uh, Sif her long uh, golden hair, and they're mm -hmm. they're they're kind of these uh, Smith like figures, and in I've recast them as uh, kind of uh, as kind of cyborg um, cyborg warrior Smiths, and so they're in there. There's mm -hmm. the Wains. The Wains are uh, a race that have been deceded um, and and persecuted, but they are the tree touch. They are people who've travelled with Yggdrasil, and so they're mm -hmm. half human, half plant. And mm -hmm. so there's there's plenty of there's there's ten origins there altogether. Mm -hmm. um, again, all drawn from the pages of the sagas, but brought to life in this kind of slightly futuristic, but as authentic as uh, a way as possible. And then the paths themselves, you go through, you know, the, whereas, you know, Rob and Shadow of the Demon Lord have more traditional paths like, uh, you know, the path of, you know, the warriors and the magicians. Mm -hmm. um, I've gone for the Norse archetypes. So instead of clerics, mm -hmm. I have godsmen who would be Githy or Gideon mm -hmm. in Norse. Um, you know, my warriors are oathsworn. My yeah. magicians is the path of the wise. I focused on the path of the skald. Um, skalds being the kind of warrior poets of Norse society. So the, the, that becomes integral. Um, I play around a lot with honor and shame because it was, okay. a, it was an honor and shame based society as opposed sure. to alignment because yeah. lawful, lawful good, chaotic evil, you, all of that stuff drives me insane. Mm -hmm. You are held to account in this game by the judgment of your peers, of your society. Yeah. You you earn your place in society at the end of the world, at the edges of the world, in the doom of Ragnarok by supporting your fellow man or choosing not to. And that gives you honor yeah. or shame. It's, it's, a, it's a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. um, and so that really encourages you to either struggle hard like the Norse did in the face of their inevitable fate, um, knowing that you know today is a good day to die, um, yeah. or to turn your back on all of that and you know throw caution to the wind, earn shame and become an outlaw and live your life on the margins of society, you know, persecuted with uh, you know with a veritable death sentence yeah. laid down against you. So it's, it's it has mm -hmm. to be black and white because this is the end of the world. Mm -hmm. There's no nuances here. You know, mm -hmm. You're either uh, helping keep people alive or trying to keep yourself alive, and the rest of the world, the NPCs that you come mm -hmm. across, will treat you accordingly. Well, that leans really nicely into my next question of, of like the stories that, that we're telling. So I've got an idea of the kind of characters we're playing and, and the world, the magic, the, the technologies, and, and how that all blends, like you say. But... Um, in the book, oh, and one thing I do want to point out as well, we mentioned it's powered by Shadow of the Demon Lord, but this is a standalone book. So if people haven't played Shadow of the Demon Lord, they can just pick up when the wolf comes and, and play with this. Is that right? They can. It's got yep. everything in it. I mean, we kickstarted mm -hmm. it um, a little while ago now. It was August of 22 when we, we, mm -hmm. we kickstarted it. And I, I changed publishers last year to Rob to work directly with Rob Schwab and Schwab oh, nice. Publishing. Mm -hmm. So he, he, mm -hmm. he, uh, not so much inherited it, but you know, took it on, took it under yeah. his umbrella, and so mm -hmm. it does have all of his rules. It does have a lot of mm -hmm. his input and his uh, his um, gaming guru's mm -hmm. input. It is standalone, but it's also a fairly gigantic four hundred pages. I think Rob's original books were like two hundred and sixty something pages, and okay. I just kept going and got. <laughs> but partly was... because partly because I wanted to have an adventure in there and a campaign setting in the rule book that yeah. would ease people in because this isn't traditional mm -hmm. you know, elves, goblin, sword and sorcery because it's yeah. kind of in people's minds but not mm -hmm. fully. I wanted to just give them that lens properly and an adventure is a great on-ramp to do that. Absolutely. 
Um, so yeah, my question I was going to lead into before that tangent of just assuring people that this can be all as it is. Um, so the ready-made adventure that's in in the book, obviously you have all the setting information that people can create their own stories and things with with, with all the, the lore that you've provided. But can you tell us a bit about the kind of ready, ready-made adventure that's that's already in the book for you? Yeah, so it's a starter adventure for level zero characters to get everyone on board. It's called Nobody Dies in Help Makar. Um, mm. which is a bit of a mis- misnomer because if it all goes horribly wrong, then everyone can die. And, I was about uh, to say, yeah. <laughs> but, but the but it's I wanted, again, I just like to play with kind of real-world settings and, and real-world mm. names and just shift them into that alternate Norse universe. So the the starting point for, for this adventure was I wanted to do something typically Norse um, to get people on board. And people who've seen... Uh, the Norseman comedy series on Netflix. And if you haven't, it's worth a watch. But it starts off with something called the Atastupa, which is they throw their old people, and by old, I mean anyone over 40, they have to jump off a great big cliff to their death because they're no use to society. So I like that. Okay. (laughs) Just interesting way to weed out uh, people. And and whether whether it's actually something that happened uh, you know, is is up for debate, but it's just an interesting idea. Now, mm. I pa- I matched that with some of the classic things that happen in the Norse. I wanted a, I wanted there to be a, a, a law thing. Uh, mm. I wanted the law speaker to stand up and there to be a, a big legal contest, which is not something that really happens in that many role playing games. Yeah, know, because because mm. you know that's <laughs> it's it might be kind of hard to role play. It's certainly not your kind of sword and sorcery staple. But it is a sure. Norse staple, and I think it's interesting to have repercussions for events. So I just mm. set up this whole scene where uh, someone is forced to go and jump to their death. He doesn't want to go. Uh, chaos ensues, and it ends up uh, with, you know, in a number of different ways. You can go to the, the deal with it in a kind of law tribunal way and argue your case in front of the judges, or you can deal with it in the traditional Norse sense of Holmgang. And Holmgang mm. is just a duel to uh, the death. You know, you you have to defend mm. your honour. Um, if you draw first blood, then you're away scot-free. So I just wanted to throw in all of these kind of traditional uh, Norse concepts, these archetypes, to get that... Th- that feeling across that this is a society which very much believed in the law. We mm. talk nowadays about Vikings raping and pillaging and you know taking monks and seizing uh, you know the, the the other people's ships and silver, but they were mm. actually a, a, a group of uh, very articulate poets who created a mm. rigorous law system which is arguably the basis of the jury system we use today, the very mm-hmm. word law that we have is an old Norse word. Um, mm-hmm. And so, again, these, this word, they used to say, you know, we will, uh, our lands will rise by the law or, or you know, die if it fails. Um, mm-hmm. They used to say, we have no king but for the law. And so it's important mm-hmm. when you, even when you're thinking, oh, these Vikings are going to go raping and pillaging. Nope. There's a law <laughs> that is underpinning all of this. It's very rigid. And if you you break it or you you act dishonorably, there will be repercussions. You can't easily be a murder hobo in this game because mm-hmm. you will get uh, you, you will have the world uh, turn against you. And so yeah. the nobody dies in Habmakar is all about uh, creating a, a, a the right kind of setting. It's set in mm-hmm. the grim north in a kind of parallel Svalbard, which mm-hmm. is uh, north of Norway. It, it, it starts, it's the first step in this uh, epic campaign called the Thought and Memory Saga. Uh, Thought okay. and Memory, Hugin and Moonin were uh, Odin's ravens. And this tells the story ultimately of what happens when unwisely, people steal Odin's ravens, they strip them from him and Where use them for their own nefarious <laughs> purposes. Um, and, and, and Nobody Dies in Habakkuk is just the very first step in an 11 uh, adventure campaign that tells that story. Amazing. So 
like to get GMs, if if you're thinking of, of running this game and running this setting, you have this starter adventure in the book to kind of, you know, get the tone and the setting right, like you say. But do you have any other advice for uh, people looking to run this game to make sure that they introduce the setting and frame it right for their players? Like, you know, some people would hear Vikings and be like, yeah, murder hobo time, but that's not the right sort of thing. Do you have any guidance so that, you know, people running the game can introduce it and make sure that everyone's understanding what, what kind of stories we're going to be telling? Well, I mean, the crucial thing to recognise is this is my vision and how I play the games and how I write things might be different mm-hmm. from um, how other people want to run them. If you sure. want to be a band of berserk who, you know, uh, run around um, seizing monasteries and, uh, you know, all the, all the futuristic equivalent, that's, mm-hmm. that's absolutely fine. I mean, the very word Viking, you know, kind of means pirate, right? So it's not like these were the good guys and it's not like my Viking empire of the future is, uh, you know, this shining beacon of goodness. It's, it's, a, it's a collapsing, yeah. collapsing uh, Trumpian nightmare facing Ragnarok itself, right? So there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, while I do have like this, you know, these, these black and whites, you can jump in and play it however you want. You can be a bunch of marauding Jotna. You can be some avenging alpha. You can mm-hmm. be some very pissed off Dverga, you know, mm-hmm. or any combination of the two. The point is to try and bring those archetypes, um, to try and do a less hackneyed lens on fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't like that and you want to bring you know, a goblin over from um, you know, your Shadow of the Demon Lord game and have him run around with a horned helmet, you go ahead and do that. It's, it's designed to be... <laughs> It's designed yeah. to be fun. The 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 um, what I've created with the books and the comics and the novels is is a kind of framework to try and make it authentic and believable because I think that helps at the table. But it shouldn't be a hindrance. And if mm-hmm. it becomes a hindrance, and people feel, oh, I need to have read all you know, there's two novels and four comics, and you don't mm-hmm. just 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 try and learn a little bit about the Vikings before you mm-hmm. jump in because, you know, let's just say that Wagner has a lot to answer for. Fair enough. Oh, well, it sounds like the book is going to have plenty of learning and things that you can read in there. So that, that'll be everything you kind of need. Uh, if people want to pick up a copy, where is the best place for them to go online? So um, it's on drive through RPG in mm-hmm. PDF form, along with some of the adventures and expansions, like the Space Viking expansion. Mm-hmm. The, um, so you can buy that as a PDF. Um, you can go to my website as well, which is vikingverse.com. Um, mm-hmm. You can see all of the various Vikingverse stuff there. The books are available in various places. They're on Amazon. They're on drive through as well, drive through comics, mm-hmm. um, drive through fiction. Uh, Schwalb, um, entertainment.com is also a good, you know, he's got all of the shadow stuff, the shadow of the demon lord, the shadow of the weird wizard that's uh, coming soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the physical books, and I held one up here and, you know, yes. the first one ever off the press, weighing in at a wonderful four pounds. The rest are on their way from the printers in China. Um, mm-hmm. they, they were shipped out of China just before Christmas. They're winging their way to the, the warehouse or sailing their way to the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be available probably in the March uh, timeframe if you want to get your hands on 400 pages of uh, demonic Viking goodness. Why would you not? Why would you not? Uh, and my next question is, um, and links are in the show notes, those listening to the podcast, and if you're watching there also, I just often just put those links in the chat. Um, the future of uh, the range, There is there is more available more on the way i understand as well like space vikings for example sure so space <laughs> vikings so so the space vikings as an expansion was something that couldn't you know because the book was already 400 pages long yeah but i wanted to again if you've got these quintessential images in your mind of of what vikings do well they went raiding and they they sailed everywhere um and i have this notion in the in the the lore in the 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 background to all of this. Yggdrasil isn't just the world's tree, the central pillar of belief. Mm-hmm. It's a literal world-spanning entity with a sentience of its own. It's the equivalent to 
you know, the, to, to God because it really yeah. exists and it, and it permeates the worlds and it allows you to travel between Jotunheim, Midgard, Alfheim, mm-hmm. and all of the newer Heimar that I mentioned. So um, the ships of the Viking pagan present, which is analogous to ours, are perhaps a bit more advanced because Odin has accelerated the timeline. He gave gunpowder to the Vikings during the initial siege of Kiev by the Mongol hordes back in 1284. So, you know, he's he's tinkered with the timelines, he's accelerated things. So by the time you get to uh, the present, those great shipbuilding traditions and innovations of the Norse have led to uh, these star-faring vessels, but also you, the distances between stars are unimaginable. They are uh, they are solar sailing ships. They're still powered by sails, not by rockets. If you mm. believe in the, uh, a sentient world's tree, the the mm. law basically says that you know it's a it's a bit heretical to be using coal and oil to power rockets so okay. you know they, they shy away from that it's quite a green mm-hmm. society in 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 those mm-hmm. senses um yeah. so they so these great they, they do have these solar sails but they have mm-hmm. this ability to uh to the hyperdrive of this space the warp drive of of this universe is linked to Yggdrasil it's called staggering it's it's Mm -hmm. it's the kind of this teleportation linked to the tree and so a bit like June has its uh you know the 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 spice guild who can transport people there's there's analogous things here again drawn from Norse mythology called steersmen and gap fairers because we're not talking about space the Norse called it the the Mm -hmm. yawning void the 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 Mm -hmm. primal abyss it's a ganunga gap and so, yeah, that's you on the on screen. You've got their adventures in the Gununga Gap, um, you know, and that might be a bit of a handful. So we we truncated it to Spice Vikings. But I also yeah. like the gag as a as a one time user of the London Underground. You know, mind the Gununga Gap because it's uh, it's full of all of the kind of eldritch horrors that you might find in a Cthulhu Cthulhu like mm-hmm. universe. Because it, it always was. The, the Norse painted this picture first. The yawning mm. gap was where all of the horrible things came from. Well, what a place to adventure in for Space Vikings. Sounds great. Um, Ian, we're coming up to the end of our time. I feel like we could talk about this for literally hours, but I've already taken That's close to an hour of your I've time. Lots and lots, but which is perfect. Which is why you're the perfect guest to come on a podcast and talk, because that's what that's what I need you to do. So it's ideal. Um, is there anything else? Uh, just to wrap up, anything else you want to kind of like summarize or, or make sure people understand uh, about the game before we go? No, I think you know it's it's interesting having been a creator, started as an author, and backed mm. into this. It gives you a lot of control, and you know the, the I just see this sea of stuff that has mm-hmm. not been done in this world before, you know, in the fantasy RPG world that that is Vikings, how they were meant to be done, or at least how I think they're meant to be done. And that's mm-hmm. the crucial thing. So coming up, there's other expansions. There's more paths of honor, paths of shame, which you know, draw from, um, you know, the, the kind of parallels in Rob's work. You know, I want to bring some more Viking archetypes to the mm-hmm. playing table. Um, and I think I've got a, a good lot of those. And I've started play testing the second campaign with my gaming groups here. Oh, so exciting. Thought and Memory Saga is, is, is most of it is out um, and the rest will soon be out. And then there'll be a second campaign soon. So I plan to just devote at least a, a few years trying to deliver as much uh, you know, mead as possible mead of poetry for the for the gamers out there wonderful that sounds great and uh, obviously vikingverse.com is a good place to go to keep up to date with all of that and uh, see all, all the new things that may be coming out in the future um ian thank you so much uh for coming on and giving up your time to talk to me and for uh you know sharing sharing your game with me um one question i ask people uh before they go is if you have any recommendations for any other tabletop uh games 
Uh, not a game that you've made because we spent a bit of time talking about your game and, uh, and obviously not D&D as well. So do you have any other tabletop RPGs you like playing or that you like the look of? You know, the most fun we had around the table was with Paranoia. Um, yes. I, I got Paranoia. I can remember reading the adventures in White Dwarf years and years ago um, and played those early versions and because it was a, it was always in my mind as just this hugely fun experience, um, mm-hmm. I saw that they had um, picked up uh, and kickstarted a new version, and I got hold of that box set um, mm-hmm. probably a couple of years ago now. And it was just a, it was a, it was a shame with that one that there wasn't more material produced because mm-hmm. um, uh, I think that yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of fun to be had. And then mm-hmm. ironically, you know, being a fan of, of Douglas Adams, being a fan of that 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 mm-hmm. the kind of paranoia secret societies and all of that stuff, I yeah. did try and fold in little bits of that into when the wolf comes. So some of the you know, the, the crazy oh, uh, cybernetic stuff um, mm-hmm. is, you know, and, and, and whenever I put in a diverga dwarf, it becomes instinctively humorous. And so some of that, some of that paranoia mm-hmm. humor does come into the game but i do love paranoia and mm. i was a big fan of um the expanse game as well based upon the oh um, i haven't i haven't tried tradition. the expanse game yeah it's uh, again mainly because of that authenticity the, the tv mm. show did a great job of making space uh come alive and be real physics as opposed yeah. to pew pew lasers Uh, (laughs) yeah and 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 i and i I love that i love i love the the Mm -hmm. rawness of trying to make it as 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 real and as anchored in reality as possible and so the expanse is a good one sounds great there's two great recommendations there Uh, and if people aren't familiar with paranoia and would like to know more about it we have done an episode on that previously uh but not the expanse so maybe that's uh an idea for a future guest for me there especially Um, if you've uh if you can tie it in with the phenomenal novels there as well because that, mm-hmm. that was another thing that started off with novels became mm-hmm. a tv show viking verse hasn't become a tv show but if Yet. you have any producers <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is is that there's so many viking things out there you look mm-hmm. on amazon prime and you scroll for their movies yeah and, oh my god are they all terrible oh just, no <laughs> yeah just well, just next time you're looking for a really bad viking movie there's so many of those Someone needs to make a good one. The closest one there was is the Northman. Um, There we go. There's a recommendation for that as well. All right, Ian, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to let you go. Uh, So thanks so much again for coming on. Thank you to everybody that came and watched live and listened to the podcast. Uh, All the links to everything we talked about are in the show notes of the podcast and they're in the chat if you're watching the live stream as well. So thank you very much for coming along. We'll be back same time, same place next week. And next week we are talking about Salvage Union, Jess said, a little delayed because she was looking it up. Uh, So we're talking about Salvage Union. So more mech kind of TTRPG uh, fun there for you coming up. Uh, But yeah, see you same time, same place next week. Thank you very much. Bye.